Getting out into the community as part of their adaptive physical education. Scott McNamara with another episode of What's New in Adaptive Physical Education. Very excited to be bringing you the second episode of the Parent Advocacy. Super great discussion for this episode. We talk about transitions, uh, keeping our kids active outside of school, uh, different community-based physical activity programs that might be available, how to get into them. And Dr. Timison talks a little bit about the Dear Colleague Letter on Extracurricular Activities and How Parents Can Access It. And we also just talk about physical activity means to children with disabilities. So I think this episode, absolutely fantastic, absolutely needed. Before I get going, though, I wanted to talk about two things. And the first thing is simple. I got a conference coming up. I'm going to be presenting two different podcasts, one on behavior management and another one on service delivery models. And that's going to be at Texas Women's University. So if you have any questions, please bring them. It's going to be September 17th in the morning. And I really hope to see a few people out there. And the second thing is in regards to the last episode. So I have a Facebook page, What's New in Adapt Physical Education, posted something on there uh, about the last podcast. And we, Dr. Timison and Rocco, uh, we're discussing direct versus related service and adaptive physical education being defined in the federal law by IDEA as a direct service. And I got a, a message on Facebook stating that someone, there's an AP teacher in California, and she said, we're a related service on the IEP. Is our district doing something incorrectly? And so then I did what I could to find out because um, I'm not an expert in that. Um, I do some research in, in some surrounding areas and administration and yada yada, but I'm not an expert. So I wanted to find some expert people that have already been on the show. So I contacted this person and that person, some persons from California, and I'm surprised to say I've always been taught that it was a direct service. I've seen language in some uh, federal laws that says that we're a direct service. Yet, when I saw the Californian papers that which described adaptive physical education, it was that it was a related and direct service. And from what I read, it was kind of hard for me to quite decipher what that meant. And I want to just bring this out to the community that we've kind of created uh, and adapt to physical education. And, and if someone can explain to me why there's this discrepancy uh, from state to state as to why we're related in one state and why we're uh, direct in another, I would really, really appreciate that because I, I couldn't quite put my finger on why that was happening reading some of the different texts and some different state things. Um, something I think very interesting, but I've always been taught that it was a direct service. So I was surprised to see that we are related in some areas. And also I heard some things like that we are sometimes considered related when we get OSEP grants in larger funding areas. So I just, I don't know um, what that's all about. So if someone has an answer, you know, please contact me, get me at my Facebook page, Twitter, you can get my email, scmacnamara23 at gmail.com. 
but I would like to be able to solve this for my listeners and for myself. So, anyways, with that, we're going to transition back to parent advocacy, and we're going to talk with Dr. Timeson, Rocco, and Sherry, and Sherry's son, JW, who uh, chimes in a little bit in this episode. So, take care. Then, as a special needs person turns 21 and exits school, that's it. That's it. Um, And so my husband and myself, actually when JW turns 16, which is a significant birthday, um, you don't usually, a 16-year-old with a disability parties with um, their uh, siblings, their cousins, and possibly students that are in their classroom. So we had, we used to own a, a family entertainment center as a, a golf driving range and miniature golf Ooh. course. And so we had, um, we invited all of his special needs classmates to the um, swing, it was called Swing and Swat, for a party. Um, and I got a DJ and we, they, the kids played uh, miniature golf and so I said to my husband, and we celebrate. We got a birthday cake, celebrated JW's birthday. And I said to my husband, you know, the rest of the kids, all of these other kids, special needs kids, don't have anybody to come to their birthday party either. So I think what we're going to do is once a month at Swing and Swat, we'll have a party and invite all of these kids and his special needs friends and some of the kids that he knew from Special Olympics, and whoever's birthday is that month. Will celebrate their birthday. Mm-hmm. Well, that um, that was 15 years ago, and it went from about 12 or 15 kids to um, <laughs> Saturday night. I have between 80 and 100 of these people mm-hmm. coming to a prom on Solomon's Island. Um, I've got a lot of volunteers. I formed a um, nonprofit. To help me, because up in for the first five ten years, I paid for everything out of my <laughs> pocket, and then a friend of mine said, "You know, you could um, form a nonprofit that, to help mm-hmm. you to ask for donations and help you fund this thing." Um, so, but anyway, it has grown now to where once a month we have either a picnic or a party, or a Halloween party, a haunted house, a Christmas party, Saint, uh, Santa Claus and Frosty the Snowman come, and I have a DJ that um, donates her time and services, and it's just a, a wonderful thing, because these people, um, these special needs people that went to school together, that's their family for each other. Till the end. Hey, but, but you know, you brought up a very, very important point that I think um, as, as a parent, you, you could get across even to more parents and, and adaptive PE teachers, we do it. And, and I, I call it community-based adaptive physical education. Starting at the middle school, certainly at the high school level, as you mentioned, um, you know, for JW, being out in the community is an important thing. And one of the things that I think parents should be requesting more is the availability of getting out into the community as part of their adaptive physical education program on their IEP. Uh, just like just like non-disabled students, one thing in a good high school curriculum, we want to make sure that in physical education, all students will be able to um, design their own personal fitness program and know where to use 
community facilities. That's something that I also think in adaptive PE is very, very important. Mm -hmm. And I know good quality programs in adaptive PE have community-based programming because we want to be sure when they're 22, 23, 24 years old that they can be accessing community facilities just like you and I do. Mm -hmm. And we want to be able to use those community facilities for physical activity and healthful living. So what we did over the last 20 years that I've been here now is in our community, we only had Special Olympics, which is great. But we had nothing else that was inclusive in nature, and we didn't have any variety. So one of the things I set out to do was a life enrichment field trip program. So our adapted kids at the secondary level would go to swing and squat on a monthly basis, or we'd go to a fitness center, or we'd go swimming. So that's part of that transition process. Uh, we brought in U.S. Paralympics uh, into our community, so those children that weren't necessarily capable of going to U.S. Uh, the Special Olympics could have an alternative. So we we really morphed into a more inclusive variety of activities in our community and still growing. So again, those are important issues. And again, I, I can't stress enough how the adaptive PE teacher is the conduit to all of these programs from school to community. Yeah, uh, I, I, it's fantastic stuff. And to and again, from a parent point of view, I want to encourage parents who are listening to this uh, to be sure to bring this up at the IEP meeting. I've heard situations where suddenly when the youngsters into transition programming, let's say at age 16 and beyond, suddenly they lose their physical education from their IEP. Um, one of the letters of clarification we specifically have from OSEP addresses that, right. and it says that, that those physical education services can be offered in the community. The setting is part of the special education services. So like, like Sherry has, and, and Rocco is describing, I really will in, want to encourage parents to keep requesting physical education during those transition years and make sure that it's on the IEP. Um, it should be on the IEP with frequency and duration, just like it has been all through their education career. And it should not stop. Correct. Uh, this is going very well. I love when I can do a podcast and I don't need to speak. And you guys are doing a great job. Just really, it's going really, really well. Um, and I thought Sherry made a really, really excellent point of just that when they're 21 or in where I'm from in Michigan, the only state like that, 26, once they're out of special education, those social opportunities, those physical opportunities, whatever, that they, they disappear for a lot of kids. And us giving some of those resources on, you know, teaching the parents and teaching the child how to... Um, navigate the world is so important so that their, you know, quote unquote, their their social life or physical life doesn't end as soon as they're out of school. We want to continue those things. Um, I want to kind of go from the community part and I want to go back to the schools a little bit more. And I want to ask about extracurricular activities, hit that subject a little bit. And I want to know, you know, some of the things like what are their rights to extracurricular activities? And I want to know also, you know, maybe what are some experiences we've had in extracurricular activities at schools for kids with disabilities? You know, it's, it's great. It's an important topic, as I'm sure Sherry and, and Rocco know. And as a matter of fact, I just got done working with Rocco on, uh, on a couple of chapters in a book uh, related to some of this stuff. It's real important, again, to understand 
from a legal aspect, this is very simple. Um, the definition of special education includes extracurricular activities. It is right below the definition of, of, of special education that special education includes extracurricular activities and those extracurricular activities include sports and athletics. And it is very, very common um, for IEP forms, and actually the federal government, their template has extracurriculars, that should be mentioned at an IEP meeting. Um, if it's not, the parents really need to be proactive and say, we would like to get our student involved in extracurricular activities. Now, that doesn't always have to be sports and athletics. It might be clubs or something like that. But it also can be sports and athletics. And so uh, I would encourage parents to ask that question and don't feel like it's something that is a luxury because it's not. The, the special education definition includes extracurricular activities. And uh, I'll let Rocco expand uh, a great deal on the, on the wonderful program that Maryland has in relation to athletics and corollary sports. Yeah, in Maryland, uh, 2008, the Fitness and Equity Act was uh, came about, uh, and so the children at the high school level or secondary level that um, maybe didn't make a interscholastic sport like football or soccer had or have now an opportunity to do an extracurricular activity uh, under the corollary sports program, and for us in St. Mary's County, that would be cycling uh, in the in the fall. In the winter, we have bowl, uh, bowling. In the spring, we have bocce. So there is there is that great opportunity for that extracurricular activity. And the nice thing about corollary sports, it's very inclusive in nature. So we look for that ratio of able-bodied children and disabled children participating in an activity. So that's one thing. Uh, what Garth mentioned a little earlier, and I was very fortunate to put together a book, and uh, Garth uh, wrote one of the chapters in the book, uh, with many colleagues from around the country, and it was really designed for parents. And uh, the book is called uh, Sports, Fitness, and Motor Activity for Children with Disabilities, a Comprehensive Resource for Parents and Educators. And it was interesting, uh, when I researched my competition, and, and as far as books, there's only a few books out there really for parents in reference to extracurricular activity. So again, I think we're touching upon some things that are very important and we need to again advocate for uh, as educators. Uh, and, and, you know, Rocco mentions the, mentioned the Maryland model. There are many, many models that parents can really take off from. There's the whole Paralympic model. There's Special Olympics. There's USA Adapted Sports. And there's um, a program in Minnesota called the Minnesota Interscholastic Adapted Sport League. That's actually been yeah. in place for over 35 years. There are state championships in floor hockey, soccer, baseball. These are programs where kids earn letters. They go to state meets. This, and in our area around here in the La Crosse, Wisconsin area, um, the coaches are paid just like any other coach. The, ch the kids earn letters. They need to do certain things to earn letters, and it's competitive. And again, this, this is now what the parents are just expecting. And again, I, I would really encourage any parent who's listening to this to ask for these types of services. Um, you know, it isn't something, you know, that, that is a luxury. Th these are services that should be offered to kids. 
some of this is part of uh, equal opportunity. Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act says there has to be equal opportunity in any federally funded program, and all public schools are federally funded. And so if there's extra clubs, extra murals, extracurriculars, there should be opportunities for all students of all abilities. You know, JW, uh, out in the community, 30 years, you know, 31 years old, it's so important for parents when those youngsters are 16, 17, 18 years old to be projecting ahead, to be projecting and saying, okay, what's a physical activity that my son or daughter is going to be doing five or 10 years ahead of time or, or in the future? Is it biking? Is it, is it on equipment in a fitness center? Is it maybe playing tennis or hiking or something like that? We really need to be we really need to be looking at realistic lifetime physical activities just like you and I do. I know I can't play football anymore, okay? Um, but I did that in, in middle school and high school. I, we need to be picking things that are realistic and the parents really need to be involved in that because the parents, and the siblings are going to be the ones that are going to be keeping kids physically active. Excellent. Carl. Jumping back now to the extracurriculars, um, it's important also that parents are aware that there's documentation from the Office of Civil Rights uh, that was just published about two or three years ago, and it's called the Dear Colleague Letter. And uh, th this is a, um, a bit of information that came from the Office of Civil Rights within the U.S. Department of Education. And it's about a six or seven page letter that was really directed towards school districts where it was clarifying their responsibilities for, um, for sport and extracurricular opportunities for students with disabilities. It all hinges upon Section 504 of the 1973 Rehabilitation Act. And basically that says we cannot discriminate against an otherwise qualified person with a disability. And if there are programs for non-disabled in the schools, there have to be opportunities for individuals with disabilities also. And the letter is one of the more practical and useful pieces of information that I feel has come out of the Office of Civil Rights in a long, long time regarding physical education and sport. It gives many examples um, regarding uh, functioning on a generalization about it, uh, a, a disability. It gives examples about accommodations. It talks about what a school district should do if the youngster can't participate in the regular um, sport programs. It talks about offering separate programs, but programs that still allow students with disabilities to benefit from all of those things that everyone benefits from in relation to sport. And many states have really taken off with this. I would encourage parents to read it. I would encourage parents to bring it to their school district. Make sure that both their special education director and their athletic director make sure that they have it and they should be reading that information and parents should be asking, are we able to get a comparable program for that, that all of the non-disabled students participate in. We're going to start wrapping up. This is the last thing I'll ask you all uh, before we disperse. Um, but I want to just have a kind of a takeaway at the very end uh, to talk. So from this podcast, you know, so much information goes to parents sometimes. I have a 
my my mother is a parent of a child with a disability. My brother has a disability. And I know sometimes at IEP meetings and all these things, there's so much information that is happening. Um, if you could just condense one thing that you really think that a parent should walk away from from this podcast uh, and what's the most important thing that they, they should know about APE. You know, Scott, I'll, I, I've got this simple saying that I, that I recommend to parents, and it's get physical education on the IEP and keep it on the IEP. Get physical education on that IEP when the student starts their program, even if it's at the preschool level. Make sure that the school understands that you as a parent, you're expecting physical education. Yes, it might take place in the general physical education setting, but it all should be also individualized and based on assessment and evaluation and placement like any other special education or related service. So get it on the IEP and keep it on the IEP. And then from a, an adaptive PE perspective, collaborate and communicate with parents. And parents should also do that. Make sure that they know who the physical education teacher is, the adaptive phys ed teacher is, and ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask. It's their right to ask questions. Um, and again, that's so important to have that collaboration and communication piece. As a parent, I think uh, the most important thing I could add is to make sure that you attend that meeting. Um, if you have, I, if you work, take the morning off. Um, I, I know that meetings are not always fun, and I know that they can be intimidating because you don't know the teachers or you don't know the subject matter. Uh, the, the more you go, the more often you go, the more comfortable you become with them. And I really um, agree with Garth about don't let them cut your um, your adaptive PE classes because a lot mm -hmm. of times they try to fit so much stuff into a short period of time during the day and so everybody's tempted to cut something and don't let it be the adaptive PE. Well said from a parent. That's a, that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful <laughs> way of saying it. And, and uh, adaptive physical education teachers love parents like you, Sherry. <laughs> you, you, you know, you, you know what you want. You know what your son wants. You know what he really needs. And again, oh, yeah. you're you're a treasure to, to work together in that collaborative effort. And uh, JW, I, I, I'm sure Rock will agree with me. Was a really fun student. Oh, to, I, I mean, I am a trap. You are He's a trembling. I mean, I have really fun with her. Do you remember the muscles? I play with... Yes, he still remembers. I remember the muscle I play with. The thing is that we had a relationship, uh, and I do with all the students, that when we did our fitness unit, which is throughout the year, basically, that they also learned the name of the muscles. Uh, and it took us years to get the children or students to understand and, and how it related in real-world applications. And let's see, J.W., you remember what your shoulder muscle is? It starts with a D. All right. And you, what was important for me is that as we were teaching children how to know their muscles and how it worked in the real-world application. So one of the things we did was, you know, we'd say, are oh, you pushing yourself away from the table at breakfast? What muscles help you do that? 
But that took us years. But that also, as you can it's see, at 31, he still remembers. I just want to say thank you very much for being on the show. Um, it was a pleasure, and I really liked having um, all the different perspectives on how to advocate for APE from, for parents uh, on this show. So thank you so much for being on the show.